Hello, everyone. This is Dr. Cheryl Selman, and welcome to The Love Code. It's great having you back here with me if you are a regular listener. And if you are listening for the first time, I hope you will be joining me on an ongoing basis every Saturday or on any podcast uh, website, uh, you will find The Love Code. So it's everywhere, easy to access. And every week, I have an opportunity to interview some uh, amazing guests with inspirational uh, wisdom and strategies and knowledge because this show, The Love Code, really is all about being inspired. It's about being uplifted. It's an experience of understanding the unlimited potential that we all have and the, the transformational journey we are all on as well. So... I look forward to having you join me every week and continually be inspired and uplifted by the uh, unlimited and infinite beings that we are. I know I get inspired every week, so I trust you will also be inspired as well. And today is uh, no different. I have a wonderful guest with me. We'll be talking with Gina Salisi, and she has um, a new book called The Art of Flower Therapy. an amazing book. She's doing fantastic work with nature and with flowers and the intelligence and the wisdom and the healing found within the world of flowers. So just a little bit about Dina. She is a holistic healer, educator, and author of The Art of Flower Therapy, a comprehensive guide to using the energy of flowers to heal, thrive, and live a vibrant life. She is certified um, National Board for Health and Wellness Coach, Master Flower Therapy Practitioner, and Hypnotherapist. And um, again, her website is Dina Salisi. S- her last name is S-A-A-L-I-S-I dot com. Dina Salisi dot com. And check Dina out in her new book, The Art of Flower Therapy. We're going to be talking all about that and the power of flowers to heal, transform, and uh, offer us uh, incredible possibilities to be connected to our true self. Flowers are truly such a gift from spirit. (laughs) What can I say? So first of all, I will say welcome, Dina. It's great having you on the show, and congratulations on your new book, and it's good to have you back. Oh, thanks, Dr. Cheryl. It is so good to be back with you celebrating this new book, The Art of Flower Therapy. You know, uh, your work is so fascinating, and I know that uh, you have really, you know, your your path in life has really been devoted to the, the healing path of flowers and the box flower mm-hmm. remedies and the ability of flowers to shift and change us on so many levels, the essence, the frequency of flowers, which um, is always so fascinating to me. So let's start at the beginning, as I always like to do, just share a little mm-hmm. bit about your journey, Dina, and um, how it led you to the world of flowers. Yeah, thanks for asking. So I think, you know, I grew up in New Jersey, and it's funny because New Jersey is the garden state, <laughs> and uh, it wasn't very gardeny. You know, we lived kind of near a freeway. <laughs> my, mom, my mom kept a pretty sweet garden. You know, she was into roses, and, um, you know, as I was growing up, I don't really remember being that in touch with nature, you know, being close to New York City and that kind of thing. Um, I was kind of disconnected, I would say, even from it. And then when I was about um, 19, 
I went to California for a visit, and um, I was astonished. I, I didn't even know that there was a world, a place like California, where flowers grow on the hillside, right? I mean, when you when you hear um, talk of, uh, you know, purple mountains majesty, well, that's really like the purple and the blue lupins on the hillsides, right? So I was just floored by this, and I vowed that I would live there one day. <laughs> and so um, when I was about 23, I up and moved to California. And, um, you know, I did have a book in my pocket, though, that I brought with me from New York City, and it was Dr. Edward Bach's book called Heal Thyself. And it's all about his system of working with the energy of flowers he was a physician, and um, he kind of left a successful practice in London to go out into nature and work with the subtle energy that emanates from flowers, and he offered these to his patients. And what he noticed was their ability to shift challenging emotional states. So I had this book with me. Um, I'd read it. I was enchanted by it. But I didn't really know the full effects of flower therapy until after the birth of my son, which is now going back 28-plus years. Um, we had a really difficult labor, a three-day labor that resulted in um, a really dramatic birth with him. And I was separated. He, they, he was put in an incubator, and I was separated from him for about three days. I was able to go visit him and nurse him, but we were, you know, separated. And this was highly traumatic. I mean, the birth experience is a sort of trauma in and of itself, but um, this was extreme. And so when we had gotten home, um, you know, I was kind of, you know, in that PTSD state where I was like in shock and uh, I didn't have a lot of, a lot of family nearby. Um, so I sought out a, a pediatrician who happened to also be, he was a holistic pediatrician and he happened to be a homeopath from Germany. And um, we, we brought the baby to him, we met with him and uh, the, one of the first things he said to me was, did you take Rescue Remedy? And Rescue Remedy is the Bach five-flower formula that's for any sort of trauma, right? It just kind of like brings you back to center. And I had known about it, but, you know, I kind of forgot along the way. And uh, so as soon as I left his office, I went, I got a bottle of Rescue Remedy, I took it, and then um, I put some on my nipple when I was nursing my son, that night, and this was about three weeks after his birth, that was the first night that we had both slept soundly. And, I mean, it wasn't just like a sound sleep. It was like I woke up and I felt changed. I really did. Even after that one mm. dose, I felt changed. And, uh, you know, some of it might have been mind over matter that I had a caring physician who kind of talked me through it. But on, a, you know, on an energetic interior way, it was different. And so was my son. He was different, too. He wasn't as clingy. He wasn't crying in that really desperate way. You know, he just kind of had the baby cry after that. And so I was, I was kind of, you know, hooked. And I busted out my book again, and I got my remedies out. And I started working with them. And, um, you know, it, it was a process. And uh, it wasn't the only thing I was doing, but it was a self-help practice that I reincorporated back into my life. And what began happening was I was able to make these shifts 
in my emotional states that really kind of led me to deeper healing. And so for me, it's been like a 30-year process. And, um, you know, flowers, the, the energy of flowers, flower essences, has really have really gotten me through a lot. Um, you know, shortly after my son was born, I really took up the call to heal my childhood sexual abuse trauma, which I had been struggling with for many years. And I really kind of pushed it to the back of my mind. And um, as I began to felt, feel more stronger in the light of the flower therapy, you know, I was working with different remedies, working on different parts of myself. I just knew that this was sort of the path that I had to take for my own deeper healing. And, um, you know, through several years process, it really, I would say, the flowers got me to a place where I could then incorporate other healing um, modalities, you know, seeking a good therapist, getting in a support group. And alongside me the whole way was the flowers. I, I create a personalized combination formula for myself once a month, and I've been doing that for about 30 years. And um it's just so spectacular that about 10 years ago, when my um, arts and entertainment business had closed, I decided to go back to my first love of the healing arts and bring flower therapy and health coaching to other people. And um, these last 10 years have been incredible, just being able to witness the healing that others have been able to do with my guidance alongside the flowers. And so that's the book, The Art of Flower Therapy, is about this last decade. And it's about, um, you know, there's lots of stories in it about different clients' stories, how they took up the call to heal. And there's a lot of personal stories in it as well. And it's funny because I didn't really completely realize that until after it was published, that it is a highly personal account. And so, um, yeah, I'm really glad to bring all of this information and wisdom to everyone so you know it it really is always to me a fascinating story how people find their destiny in life and their their true calling as you found with those those remedies so um can you give us a let's let's do a little dive a little deeper into the history of flower essences and flower Mm -hmm. remedies and from your understanding dina why are they so profound and so effective in shifting and not just emotional states, right? It can work mm-hmm. on many levels for balancing. Yes. So, well, I think we begin with the emotions, right? Like oftentimes, like when we're seeking, uh, you know, uh, healing, it's, it's usually because we're suffering on a physical level, right? Like even when we're emotionally imbalanced, the physical challenges sort of rise to the surface. So for me and for what I notice with everyone else is to be able to go under the layer of what it is you're feeling or what it is you're physically experiencing and kind of go deeper and look inward. Um, You know, first of all, the first thing you're doing is you're creating a really strong inner dialogue with yourself. So that's the first step, and that's really the first way that the flowers kind of lead us toward a deeper healing is because they allow us to look within um, through this lens of of flower therapy, right? So in that way, it kind of like takes the sting out of, um, you know, our negative mindset, sort of the negative held beliefs that we carry around, 
and it puts them in more of a of an effulgent, luminescent light, I would say. So that's like the first way. And then just flowers themselves. I mean, they're a part of nature. They have existed before any human eye ever saw them. They will be here after we're all gone. And so, I mean, I think every person I know generally feels better just when they're outside in nature, when they're in the presence of flowers, trees, um, you know, life, life force energy, even animals. And so that is really the profound resonance that we're attuning to as humans. And so then we go into like the quantum field of the energy of flowers. So Dr. Bach, he was like an intuitive person. He was also a scientist. But what he did is he kind of like went out into the field and was attuning to the different energetic vibrations that certain flowers and plants had. And so, um, you know, I find this to be true and real all the time whenever I go out into nature. And um, so that to me, that, that speaks to the piece about how, how do they work or why do they work? Because there's this resonant energy that we're able to attune to and it holds um, a catalyst for healing. It holds seeds of healing. And so each person is going to have to relate differently to the energy of the flowers, right? And so um, there are 38 different flowers that Dr. Bach deemed as having significant value uh, to shift emotional beliefs. And, um, you know, even though we, we each need to work with them differently, I think as human beings, we've all experienced the 38 different emotions at one time or another. And so that really speaks to the, to the piece where we connect with the energy on that level. So it's so fascinating because um, obviously Dr. Bach was incredibly intuitive, right? He, he forged a whole new, new modality. He, you know, he just went into nature and I, I would sit and listen, right. I, I would gather, right? And um, mm-hmm. he had the ability to find his way and they would communicate. But, you know, the, the world of plants is so fascinating as we um, understand more about the intelligence of life. We come to appreciate that um, the plant world is a conscious world of beings that bring mm-hmm. with them their own intelligence and their own healing gifts, right? They're just not things that come up out of the ground. <laughs> right, you know, right. we're finding how how trees are communicating with each other, how plants communicate. I mean, these are conscious beings that have, that are here for us. They're here for us. They're part of the garden and they have gifts for us. We, you know, we like to have our little gardens in our backyard and little plants, but I don't think we've realized fully as you have realized because you're working with these intelligences of these beings for so many years that they come with their gifts of healing for us. They're they're just not things that stick in the ground. <laughs> these are beings. These are intelligent beings that have uh amazing healing uh qualities and essences for all of life, including us. Right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And recently, you know, I've been really getting into the um the tree lichens, right? Do you know the what the lichens are? 
I mean, lichen, lichens, are, they look like, uh, you know, uh, moss or mold, but they're not. They're actually um, some of the oldest living organisms on the planet. And I was just in a, um, on a trail yesterday after the rain, and all these lichens are hanging down from the trees. And uh, they are, they're up, they're like 5,000 years old, okay? So when you're seeing a lichen hanging off of a tree, they grow like a millimeter a year, so if you see a really long one, they are literally thousands of years old. So to me, like, that is just amazing. And, and like we were talking earlier about octopus and just all of the aspects of nature, how they're all interrelated. And even though it might not seem like we have a lot in common with an octopus or a lichen, <laughs> you know, or a bug or, or a dog or something, you know, it's all, we're all interrelated into this grander bubble of nature. So, yeah, it really is one of my passions is to sort of, um, you know, direct people that way. That, And it's not so much about uh, about, like, learning that we're a part of nature, it's about reawakening to it. Because this is something that we're all innately in tune with. But, you know, we live on planet Earth, we have jobs, we have families, we have cars, we have a lot of material things that kind of bog us down to the physical. But really, when we when we pan out and we extend our view we really notice that we're a part of this greater bubble of nature. And, you know, we couldn't exist without it. But like you're saying, there's an interdependence where it depends on us, too, to notice it, to care for it, and, and all that, right? Right. So it, there's a lot of interest, in, and this is a form of homeopathy, taking the energy of these plants. But yes. it's gone, you know, it's expanded because there there's, Aren't there California flower remedies? There's uh, Australian bush flower remedies. Oh, yeah. There are remedies from um, what, what other remedies? I mean, people have done amazing. Oh, there's Hawaiian. There's there's um, the Icelandic remedies. They're all over the world now. And it really was. It was in 1930 when Dr. Bach started this system, and he, you know, he was the first person to like bottle it, right? Like I think, you know, humans for thousands of years before him were working with the energy of flowers, but he was the first person to bottle it, the first European person. And so that started a wildfire. It really did. And now almost a hundred years later, like you said, there's, there's thousands of producers worldwide and there's a remedy for just about every flower on the planet. Mm, that's yeah, pretty amazing when you think about what blossomed out of that early work and how it ignited people's passions and interest and uh, curiosity to to understand that nature can we can take the energies of these different plants and um, work with them for our own enlightenment and healing, which is their yeah. gift to us, right? They are a gift, and, and I think the reason that when, when Dr. Bach presented this to the world, the reason that it's, it's really gained so much popularity is because, like I said earlier, we're working with the energy of flowers, and it's a subtle energy that's very nourishing, very loving. I mean, just to look at a bouquet of flowers, we can feel the energy, right? To smell them, we, we can sense that it makes us feel better, so um, it is, he was a homeopath, Bach, and it is similar to homeopathy, but it's also different in that it has, 
not that it has less of an effect, but the effect is gentler. So what I notice with myself mm-hmm. and with others is that it doesn't like hit you over the head, you know, like, like, I mean, like, you know, pharmaceutical drugs are probably, you know, the top of that scale where they come, they might work really well, but they come on really hard and they have side effects. And then there's other modalities like herbal medicine, you know, Chinese herbs are also very strong and powerful and potent, but they also, you know, you have to be kind of careful with dosage and everything. And then there's homeopathy, which is also incredibly powerful but it can also kind of, um, you know, create a, a, a healing crisis where it almost makes you feel worse before you feel better. Well, the thing about the flower essences is you kind of, it kind of clears the path where you don't have any of that hardness, you know? It's, it's a very soft energy and it's very powerful. So the, the shift might, be more gradual it might take a little bit longer but it's also it it goes deeper like it roots more deeply into your system you know the way a flower does mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um um so is it best to have well let me just start so there are 38 remedies so that so dr box um uh, was able to identify 38 different emotional states, mm-hmm. not so much emotions, but emotional states, right, That yeah. and yeah. thinking patterns that evolved from them. Exactly. Yeah, and he even divides the 38 flowers into seven different emotional categories. So, for instance, fear is the first category, and there's five flowers that relate to fear. So right away, like when I'm working with myself or a client, and they come to me and they have fear, it is so great to be able to frame the conversation around the five fear flowers and the way in which fear shows up. And right away, the the person is going deeper into their internal experience and getting more clear with themselves about, well, yeah, you know, and not so much why am I afraid, but how am I afraid? And so the how opens up this whole, um, you know, it just opens up this whole world of being able to look at it differently and then, you know, take the, the flowers that relate to the fear challenge and then kind of just watch the layers unfold from there. Well, yeah, that is so fascinating. Do you think it's best if people work with a practitioner or can they do this on their own? Just get, you know, get, get the remedies yeah. and read the book and assess themselves. Right. So it depends on the person. Um, You know, I have a lot of clients who are already alternative health practitioners. You know, they might be homeopaths. They might be, um, you know, hypnotherapists. And so they already have some idea how to work with energy medicine. And so if that's the case, you can just kind of buy a set of remedies, buy my book, and just kind of like go for it, really. I mean, I pretty much did my own self self-education for the first 20 years was really all I did was work with the remedies and, and read and prescribe for myself and then eventually, you know, give it to friends and family members. But it wasn't until about 10 years ago that I did the professional Bach course. Um, you know, if you're somebody who uh, doesn't really know where to begin, it is super helpful to work with a therapist first. But like I like to tell all my clients, all my clients, should become students. Um, you know, it's not so much 
that I want people to keep coming back to me again and again and again. I mean, I'm, I'm here to support you for as long as you need. But really, it was created to be a self-help method. Like, that's how Bach intended it to be. And in the U.K., like, every household has a remedy kit in their kitchen, and people just know how to use it. It's, it's meant for self-healing through self-awareness. So, um, yeah, if you are working with a practitioner, that's a great way to start out. But eventually, you know, I think you'll love the system so much that you'll want to just do it for yourself and kind of, you know, roll it into your self-care practices. So, like, you know, I create a monthly remedy for myself, and that's just a beautiful way to work with the flowers. How do you do that, Dean? How do you create your monthly remedy? Yeah, so um, I have a lot of self-care practices, and, uh, you know, I sit um, for about two hours every morning pretty much before the sun comes up. So I'm I'm up very, very early, almost the middle of the night. And um, so I do (laughs) one of the practices I like to do, though, is I do journaling first thing in the morning. Um, and so when it's the time of month when my remedy body bottle is finished and it's time to make a new remedy, I'll just sit and I'll do some inner reflection work, some inner dialogue. And because I've been doing it for so long, it comes pretty quickly for me. But just kind of like asking myself what it is I need to heal, what are the challenges I'm currently dealing with. Um, you know, and then I jot down, you know, like I'll just kind of, the flowers will come to me, so I'll just jot down a list. And then I'll refine it. Um, so when Dr. Bach created the system, he suggested that a combination remedy consists of anywhere from two to seven flowers. Now, why no more than seven? I honestly do not know. <laughs> but, um, you know, being a homeopath and also just understanding quantum physics a little bit, it's like, you know, less is more. So for myself and for students, like when you're able to kind of winnow it down and refine it down to seven flowers, if you have a list of, say, 12 or 15 flowers, then you're getting really more clear on what it is you really want, what it is you really need more than what it is you want, right? And so, um, yeah, that's, that's a really important part is to really kind of go deeply into what it is you're experiencing at the current time. So, that's really important, and that's all lined out in the book. There's practices on, you know, how to create your remedy and kind of how to sit with yourself in that way. So it is about kind of getting quiet and getting just more tuned to your inner experience. You know, I would imagine doing this for so many years, it's developing a relationship with these flowers as well. So you kind of tune yeah. into them as you tune into yourself, right? They're like friends that Absolutely. you can have a conversation with. Oh, right? yes. Oh, yes. And when I go out on the trail, when I go hiking, <laughs> I am having conversations <laughs> with all the flowers. And, and I mean, like, you know, really, I mean, even another way um, I really recommend for people to get to know and work with flowers is by sketching them. And it's not about creating great works of art. It's not about whether you're a good artist or not. Just get a couple of pencils, get a pad, and just sit with a flower and sketch it. You will learn so much about that flower just by looking at it in that way. And really, I mean, that's kind of a lot of what we know about flower therapy and what 
the energy is that the flowers carry is by, um, you know, botanically looking at them. So, like, we can know that the yellow flowers often treat forms of sorrow or depression because they have this really bright color. Um, you know, night-blooming flowers. Now, that's not in box categories, but, yes, some of the desert flowers um, that are around now are night-blooming flowers. And, uh, you know, they work with the darker parts of us, the parts that maybe aren't so obvious, that are hidden in darkness. Um, you know, the desert flowers themselves, um, you know, are generational plants, right? Desert plants are generational. So often the desert flowers will relate to ancestral trauma. So we put on our botanist hat at some point and we look at the flower in that way and the way they grow and do they grow in groups do they grow singularly and this tells us a lot about the energy that they're putting out and how we can relate to that energy that's so fascinating because we're talking a really when we talk about flowers and flower essences we're talking about specific frequencies that plants emanate that they that they are they that they yeah. are that they are the frequency that they are and um so every plant has its own unique frequency if we're talking about the energy in the quantum field mm-hmm. everything has an energy and a frequency and information mm-hmm. that is generated from frequencies so uh, as you're talking and as i'm looking out on my plants <laughs> <laughs> it's like as we learn to listen and to work with these frequencies, that's where we have this relationship with plants and they're offering us the healing as we take care of them as well, which is such an, uh, uh, you know, a huge concept to entertain, right? So we're dealing with this world of frequencies and how we've been given so many of the healing codes from, from plants. Well, it is. It's a big conversation. Um, And again, I think that's why personally and also I suggest for people to just go out and be in nature as much as you can because the vibration is there, the frequency is there, and it's real. And, And so the more we can tune into it and feel it and kind of, um, you know, embody it, like bring it into ourselves, then the more easily it is to recognize it and work with it, right? So, um, so yeah, being in nature is a huge part of it. It's, it's not enough to just like say, take a remedy and go about your day, although that does work. <laughs> you know, for me, it's like, it's more of a holistic system if we begin to see the flowers and see nature and see ourselves as part of the, the connectivity that is there for us. Um, you know, I can't talk enough about this. I, I recently launched a new podcast. It's called Your Healing Garden. And what I do is I actually go on location and meet with different people who work with the energies of nature. And I just, we have conversations about this. And the reason I feel that this is important is because, um, you know, it just takes something that is so that we're so used to, that is so simple, like we pass by the bees, the birds, the butterflies, the plants, you know, on our way to the grocery store every day, but how often do we stop and just really take notice? So um, these conversations I'm having with these different people about the way they work with nature, it's just, to me, it's just mind-blowing that there are so many different aspects 
that we can attune to. And, um, you know, art, we talked about sketching. Art is one way. Um, you know, just uh, making herbal remedies and just even noticing, like, what's out there, like, what's outside. You're saying what's outside your balcony, what's outside in your garden, and what does it have to share with you? Mm-hmm. And I guess that's part of the journey of being present, just being present, being aware, and and also understanding why nature is so healing for us. To be in nature, to be back connected to nature is such a, a healing process. And the more we live in cities and get disconnected so we don't even touch the earth, the more we are actually disconnecting ourselves. So opportunities to get back to nature, even if it's just putting a violet, you know, on a table in, 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 your, in your home somewhere and just paying attention to that one plant um, is part of reconnecting us again. Yeah, and and it even you know for me it even goes more deeply than that. Like, like when we what happens when we neglect someone we love, right? If if we neglect someone we love, if we stop caring, stop paying attention to them, then our relationship fails, right? So it's the same thing with nature, like. Like, okay, so industrialization and living in cities, sure, you know, that did a lot for for humans to develop in the way we have developed. But also, you know, in, in essence, we turned our back on nature. And so, like, when we forgot to to love it, right, then what happened was the earth started falling apart. And, I mean, look at where we are now. I mean, I don't want to... I certainly don't want to herald the doom and the gloom, but, you know, with climate change, you know, we're in a really serious way. And and, and in other, you know, air pollution, water pollution. And so for me, um, you know, going back to falling, re-falling in love with nature, because if we really do find the awe and love it, then we cannot do harm to that which we love. And so for me, it really is about planetary evolution and healing. That if we can really, um, you know, go back into remembering that there is this reciprocity that we have with nature that is a love. It's a heart-centered energy. Then, um, I do believe that we can, we can transform. We can change the destruction that we've done to the planet. And that is so powerfully seen with regenerative agriculture. Um, yeah. I had a guest on my show and who was brought up as a traditional farmer. So he sprayed and he, mm-hmm. you know, chose the plants that um, were kind of out of out of harmony with the land. And as many farmers do get into that model of uh, trying to be um, – scientific and just agriculture and use fertilizers and herbicides. And he was doing that. And um, there was so much, so many problems that emerged. You know, they, they'd be invaded by by uh, locusts mm-hmm. and all sorts mm-hmm. of insects and invasive species. And then he changed over to regenerative agriculture. So he learned about that. And he changed the whole way he sculpted his farm. And he brought in native plants and changed the 
um, the, the topography of the land, so the, the capture more water, and uh, brought in companion plants. And what happened for him, it, it, it created a microclimate on his mm -hmm. property, and he didn't get any of the uh, attacks of, of invasive mm -hmm. species or insects. They would go to his neighbor's properties who remain yeah. traditional, but right. it wouldn't it wouldn't um, affect his property any longer. And that's by just moving into greater harmony again with nature and uh, and how it evolved on on this piece of land here. So it was a fascinating story to see his transformation from a very traditionally raised agriculturalist, you know, using all the modern means and how it was destroying his land and and uh, and the uh, fertility of his land and how he transformed that with regenerative agriculture. Oh, I love that. That is so beautiful and it really does speak to the piece of the the reciprocal relationship because what you describe is when he was fighting it, it was fighting back, right? That the locusts yes. were coming and, yes. and it wasn't, there was no harmony, it was disharmony. And so as soon as he yes. started giving the land what it needed, what it wanted, then it started giving back to him and thus the harmony. Yeah, beautiful. Yes, it was a beautiful story. It totally transformed him as well. Mm -hmm. So he became yeah. such a, an advocate for regenerative agriculture and honoring nature. So instead of being a farmer that would just kind of take over the land and be abusive yeah. to the land, he, he transformed himself. Yeah, yeah. And this is really the way toward the planetary healing that I speak of is just um, really just getting in tune with nature. And then it will show us the path. And then as we travel down that path, we fall more deeply in love, and then we cannot do harm, and then hopefully we'll inspire others. And, and this is just a beautiful mm -hmm. story that you yeah. just told. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, that was definitely his journey of transformation. Right. Yes, yeah, it was beautiful. Um, so let's talk a bit about uh, some of the personal experiences that you've included in your book, how people have benefited from taking flower essences. Yes. Yes. <laughs> well, there so are we have, have, to, have a few stories you want to share with us, Tina. Yeah. So um, it's for each flower, um, I do include a personal story that's either my own or of a client. Um, yeah. So I think, let me see if I can just, call one from my memory right now. So the flower that comes up for me that was really, um, well, there's two that were really transformational on my um, sexual trauma healing journey. And the one is actually the one that's on the cover. It's crabapple. And the picture on the cover of the book is from a crabapple tree in my yard. And the picture's inside the book where I talk about how to make your own flower essence remedy. It's of my crabapple flower. Um, and so crabapple is what uh, – crabapple and pine are the two flowers I want to talk about. But crabapple um, is one of the ones that I call the self-love flower. And um, it is for any – negative feelings around your physicality. So for those of us who have suffered physical trauma, 
oftentimes what ends up happening as we grow up, um, you know, we tend to reject our bodies and we think poorly of them such that, uh, you know, we have like a negative self-image that's very distorted. And we can see this a lot in eating disorders. Um, we can see this a lot even in like adolescence right? Like when our bodies are changing and we, we tend to really focus on, um, you know, our hips starting to expand or a little blemish that we might have. So for me, the crab apple challenge was very real. Um, for many years, I felt very disassociated from my body and um, really had a, a negative self-image. And it's funny because, you know, you go back and you look at pictures of yourself and in my mind where I thought I was you know, to use bad terms, you know, where I thought I was ugly or I thought I was fat, you know, I go back and I look at these pictures and that wasn't the case at all. And it was really just the way that I saw myself, you know, through the abuse lens. And so crab apple is an amazing flower that it really gives us a sense of love for our physical presence. And so appreciation, gratitude, right, just all those things. So um, it's also really great for those of us who suffer from, like, um, obsessive-compulsive disorder, right, or tendencies where you tend to fixate. Again, it could be a physical trait. It could also be, like, I can't relax because the picture is crooked on the wall. So, like, that kind of thing. So it's for when we're focusing on nitpicking on the little details. So the remedy itself comes in, and it really assuages all of that and puts us at ease so that we can really feel a sense of calmness and relaxation and, like I said, reverence and love for body and for details. So that that was really um, a powerful one for me. And then pine. So pine is the one where you beat yourself up mentally. So, um, you know, whereas crabapple's kind of like nitpicking physically, pine is like picking on yourself mentally. So it's when you run yourself down in your head all the time, like, why am I so stupid? Why did I do that? Or, you know, I'm bad, like where you're just telling yourself you're bad all the time. And so the transformation with pine is that of greater self-esteem, right, where you you can kind of, again, love yourself and feel a sense of self-esteem. And so this is something that, um, you know, pine, I've worked with the pine remedy on and off for many years. And, um, you know, yes, it was really profound in working through the the blame of uh, the sexual abuse trauma, like where we tend to blame ourselves and shame ourselves. But really, I noticed more recently, like even a few years back when I was teaching a lot in person before COVID, um, one time I remember I taught a class and the class went really, really well. And I was driving away from the workshop and I started beating myself up in my head, like saying like, oh, why did I say that? I should have said that. That was so stupid. And you know what? This was such a powerful thing for me that I pulled over, I was driving, I pulled over on the side of the road, and I said to myself, wait, stop, this is a pine state. Like, I recognized it as a pine state right away, and I was like, why am I doing this to myself? Why am I telling myself that I'm not good enough, or I'm not smart enough, or I did the wrong thing, when actually the opposite was true. Students were telling me it was a great class, they got so much out of it. And I just paused, and I didn't take the remedy, but I reminded myself, oh, this is a pine state. And this was 
so mm-hmm. profound for me, just this instance, that that enough was, was enough, that I just moved on from that. And I honestly have to say, I don't do that to myself anymore. So that is just like another way where the, the healing of the flower, like, just kept regener- regeneratively working. Um, yeah, and it was really profound. So, and we do, we get caught in these mental states where we run ourselves down. And it is so detrimental to our emotional and our physical well-being. So that was, yeah, that was a really powerful one for me. And I've seen pine work wonders for so many people. So it's like um, those flower remedies are so much a part of your reality and your perception of reality that you can identify (laughs) when you get in different states what the flower remedy would be needed <laughs> to bring you oh, back absolutely. into balance. It's like yeah. you talk and the language of flowers, right? Absolutely. And it's so, it is so amazing now because I don't even, it's like I don't even have to take the remedy. I could either say the affirmation, which I wrote the affirmations for. That was my, my last thing we talked about was my Oracle deck listening to flowers. So I have affirmations that go with the remedies. So like, Pine, for instance, is uh, one of the affirmations is, I am worthy and deserving of life's gifts. And so sometimes when I'm in that, when I find, oh, I'm in that little pine state, I just stop and I say to myself, no, no, I am worthy (laughs) and deserving of life's gifts. So yes, it just keeps working its magic. It's like I don't have to actually physically go be with a flower or take the remedy because the healing is already catalyzed. And so I find this with, with a lot of people who um, work with me who then go on to become their own practitioners. And that's not to say they do it professionally, but they get a kit and they, do, they study it and they do it for themselves. And they say the same thing. It's like then they can just kind of like change their mindset by reminding themselves what the medicine is rather than, oh, now I have to go take the drops or, you know, go take something. It's like it's in us already. Mm, you know, fascinating. So we can look at um, box flower essences as a way of self-healing. If people mm-hmm. are interested in this conversation and curious about the benefit and power of these flower remedies, then they can get your book, right? So your book would be a really great introduction. The Art of Flower Therapy would be a great way to learn more and to understand how to work with these um, essences. And then they can go purchase those essences. They're available. There are even combinations that you can purchase at different online sites or Whole Foods or wherever, correct, that have yeah. some of these combinations already. But it's it's just delving into this world and experimenting, giving it giving it a try. Exactly. And just like, you know, many of us like to plant gardens and try different seeds and see what comes up. Well, it's the same thing. They're flowers. <laughs> They're just, you know, the energy of flowers in a little bottle. But yes, I encourage people to play with them and really find what resonates for them. Yeah. And I think it's just so important to emphasize that these essences, these frequencies of these individual flowers have the ability to bring about greater healing and balancing of the emotional and behavioral changes that occur within us that, um, you know, it's not necessarily about having to see a therapist or spending, investing a lot in courses, programs, but this is another avenue that is very gentle, very subtle, but can be very profound in bringing us back into healing. 
as you were explaining from your own experience with your trauma, how it how these flowers have actually allowed you to have more peace in your life. Mm. Yes, yes, absolutely. I am so grateful and for all, the flowers. Yeah. I'm just saying I'm all about finding ways for self-healing, to be able to uh, take care of our needs, to bring ourselves into balance, to help resolve things and find safe and affordable ways that are profound. Well, Dr. Carroll, I think that's the true power is when we can really see ourselves as capable healers, you know, and, and that doesn't mean that sometimes we won't need outside help from a doctor or a therapist, but to really know that we have what it takes inside of us to catalyze the spark of healing. So to just like get real quiet and ask yourself, what do I need in order to heal? I mean, that's a question I love to ask and just allowing the first things that come up and they might surprise you. They might seem like, wow, like, do I really, um, you know, what do I need in order to heal? And sometimes it could be like an animal comes to you. Sometimes it could be a plant. Sometimes it could be a friend. And just uh, sometimes it's just your own wisdom, right? And so that's, that's what I find to be the most powerful is to just know that you have the capacity for self-healing and for nurturance and for, you know, to create your own reality and your own well-being. And that's what the journey is all about, is being empowered and having resources that we can call upon when we need them to stay in balance or to help us through difficult times or to help us with healing, physical healing challenges or relationship challenges. These are all the um, emotional energies that the plants, the flowers, can help us uh, address and, and restore balance and harmony within ourselves. And we're all looking for that. You know, we try mm-hmm. to we, we try to work with so many therapies and modalities, and we read books and listen to podcasts. But here you have a homeopathic remedy from nature that's able to give us. Um, this level of peace and healing and transformation that we're seeking. So simple, isn't it? It's really mm. so simple. It's so as a, simple. As a tool. Yeah, yeah, it's a simple tool. It's beautiful. It's powerful. It works. So, yeah, go out and listen to the flowers and be with the flowers and drink the flowers and do everything you can with the flowers. And, yeah, again, like just reminding people to just go be in nature, like even just tending to your houseplants, you know, that part of nature. And just doing that on a daily is so profoundly supportive, right? Absolutely. And, you know, you were saying that you've noticed um, where you are, Northern California, the daffodils coming up. So oh. the first, first evidence of spring. So uh, just out of curiosity, do do daffodils have a, a, a remedy for them? That is a really good question and not one that I know of. Um, yeah, I do not know of a daffodil remedy. That's not to say that it's not out there. Um, I, I I do know a lot of the flower remedies. So aside from the Bach essences, I mostly work with the Flower Essence Society, which are the Northern California. Well, they're they're North American flowers. They're all North American flowers, and they have um, over a hundred in production. And I work with maybe forty or fifty of theirs. 
So I do know a lot of flowers, but I'm not familiar with a daffodil. But I have to tell you that um, after the heavy rains we had here, I had the very first daffodil bloomed this morning, this very morning. And so, um, I mean, we know that daffodil, if we were to look at it, it's yellow. And so it's one of the first flowers that blooms after the winter, right? So you know, when we talk about like seasonal um, disorder that a lot of people get from the dark months, well, here's this yellow flower that's offering us light. So to me, that just says enough about what it's for, you know, Mm -hmm. it's here to give us joy for sure. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) So that's just one way. I Yeah. It's so interesting. After the long, dark winter, we have this little spark of light and um, yellow happiness color right yeah and they smell good too yeah. right yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 so um so it's another way to you know look at flowers through the lens of understanding their gifts for us for healing which mm-hmm. is an interesting way to look at nature right it's, it's, it's right. wonderful so um so tell us a little bit more about your book Tina. And how to get it and how to access more of what your work is. Yes. So the Art of Flower Therapy, it's really wonderful um, little volume because it really is a comprehensive guide. So there is everything in it that you need to know about working with the energy of flowers um, from start to finish, including where to purchase them. Um, You know, and again, like I am all for everybody working with any flower energy that they that is that they're called to. But I do think that if you want to specifically learn the art of flower therapy, that to get really familiar with the box flowers first is the best way to go, because there's just 38 of them. And you can do so much with the 38 flowers that it just helps to ground you in the system. And so you can learn about that in my book. I also have a website that's very informative. It's just my name, dinasalisi.com. And uh, there's a lot of really great information. There's articles. Um, there's um, a link to the podcast. So you can find my podcast there. And uh, you can buy my book anywhere books are sold. And you can listen to the podcast. It's called Your Healing Garden. Anywhere you get your podcast. The next episode is coming out next week. And um, I'm really excited about all of this because um, the more – awareness I can create about the energy of nature, um, you know, the more the more revelry, the more beauty, the more joy there is in my life. So again, it's a reciprocal thing, like the more energy I put out, the more feeds me. So um, I'm really excited about this and, and I'm really excited. And also, um, yeah, I also welcome people to shoot me an email about the book, um, to leave a review if they feel called. But I'm also available to answer questions. I actually love getting emails and hearing from people. That actually fuels my fire, so I welcome it. And are you uh, doing consultations with people? So I am doing consultations some of the time. You can email me and request a consultation. It really depends on my schedule right now. Um, I have another book that's being edited and just, you know, a lot of stuff going on. But, um, you know, if you catch me at the right time, I would say yes. Um, I do have a, yeah, I do have an in-person studio, healing arts studio in the Napa Valley 
where I do um, healing circles, and I do tend to see more people there in person. So if you're in the San Francisco Bay Area or in the Napa Valley, um, yeah, look me up for sure. Wonderful. Uh, I know you're doing some great things. What's the new book that you're working on? Uh, So the new book, it is more of a – so – I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how much I want to talk about it yet just because it's being edited with the publisher right now, but it will be out by the end of this year. So um, it is called Divine Flowers, and it does include some of uh, some flower essences, and even it includes gem therapy, gem essences for therapy, for therapeutic use. But more Mm -hmm. to the point, it is about connecting with our different inner healing facets so that we can heal ourselves. So it has more um, practices in it. It has more guided visualizations in it. And it's actually going to be released as an audio book, which I will be reading. So I'm really excited about this because it has a lot of practices. So to be able to read these practices out loud and lead people through the the visualizations, that's going to be really phenomenal. I'm really excited about that. And um, so it stems from my coaching work, and it really just looks at the different innate facets that we have that sometimes we turn away from. And so to be able to get people more in touch with, say, our divine inner wisdom, our divine intuition, our divine self-love, and these capacities that we already have to empower ourselves more, um, yeah, that's what it's all about. So kind of everything that we already talked about and then more. (laughs) You know, uh, I'm just so impressed with you because you're just – bringing all these creative ideas out into the world. It's almost like the flowers have an ally in you, you know, mm-hmm. and, and they, they channel themselves through you, right? And you're able oh, to then you. find these different vehicles. Thank you for saying that. That really means a lot to me. I mean, it is, you know, it is really a, a relationship that I have with the flowers that um, I I really adore and, cherish and I'm so grateful I really am grateful for them and um, they just keep coming up <laughs> right the flowers are here so they're here for us yeah. they're here for us yeah yeah pay attention everyone pay attention start developing a relationship with flowers they're great healing teachers yeah. for us so um, this has been such a delightful conversation Dina as always I look forward to having you back when your new project is ready but In the meantime, I encourage people to check out The Art of Flower Therapy and visit Dina's website, which is her name, Dina, D-I-N-A for Dina, Salasi, S-A-A-L-I-S-I. So that's two A's in there, S-A-A-L-I-S-I.com. And uh, take advantage of all the wonderful teachings and flower wisdom that Dina has. So uh, just wishing you all the best, Dina, for the great work you're doing and great success with your new book and the one that's being born. Oh, thank you, Dr. Cheryl. It's such a pleasure to be with you. Thank you. You take care. Have a great day. Enjoy the daffodils. (laughs) And uh, we'll, we'll be in touch down the track. Thanks so much, Dina. And to all of you listening, thank you so much. Uh, I trust you'll be visiting me 
um, every week on the Love Coast. So until then, may your week be filled with love, peace, and harmony. Bye for now.